This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening in today on Green Living Ideas, Green Talk Radio. This is Sean Daly, and our topic today is co-housing communities. And my guest to speak on that topic is Catherine McCammett, who is both the president of Co-Housing Partners and also the principal architect at McCammett and Durrett. Catherine, welcome to the program. Thank you, Sean. So tell us about Co-Housing Partners and how you got involved in co-housing. Well, it goes back a ways now. Um, I'm a, an architect and actually back in architecture school and was lucky enough to be able to study in Denmark. And that's where co-housing comes from. And part of studying architecture in Denmark is you study the whole history of housing there because they're a, cu- a culture that's very advanced in how they look at housing. And that's one of the places where co-housing grew out of. So we first came across it there, and it was a concept that just really made a lot of sense to me as I looked at my life and how I was going to combine a professional career and a family and what was the kind of neighborhood I wanted to raise kids in that I wanted to be in myself. So we brought it back to the United States and uh, first introduced it with um, our book. And the we in this is my uh, partner, Chuck Durrett. So we published a book in the late 80s. Uh, which introduced co-housing to the United States and have been working with co-housing groups um, ever since. What was the name of the book? What was the name of the book that you wrote? The book is Co-Housing, A Contemporary Approach to Housing Ourselves. Okay. And is that that still available on Amazon? Uh, It is. Okay. Um, So now it's interesting because so many of these things, especially when you're talking about the the lifestyles of uh, health and sustainability industry, which we we live and work in, um, start over in Europe and then are are brought over to America because, you you know, they've been doing these things in, in many other parts of the world, inclu- including Europe, for some time, and you know, uh, energy-efficient appliances and things like this that, that have been around for 20 or 30 years. Um, and I, I understand that they're actually that it comes from the, uh, the Danish word, which I my, my Danish pronunciation is so bad. It's the, the for living community. It's, it's something like Bofelskab. That's right, Bofelskab. Ah, thank you. <laughs> we decided <laughs> that wasn't going to translate directly. No, it's tough with the it's tough with those words in, in English. Yes, uh, as my poor pronunciation. Is testimony to. Um, so, so having had this experience um, in Denmark and and then wanting to you know to bring this over, how has that transition gone? Uh, you know, is it is it is it taking off here? Is it happening? Yes, it is. And and actually, the reasons that made sense in Denmark are exactly the reasons that made a lot of sense in the United States. Um, Denmark, as a culture, sixty-five um, percent of the population lives in single-family homes, um, and that's what we found here is that for many people that we've achieved the great American dream, have the single-family house, and just not found it very satisfying. And so it's really a reaction to sort of a culture that's moved more and more towards privacy and a feeling that we've really lost something in that, that I think privacy is very important to all of us, 
but that we're looking for a greater balance between privacy and community. Absolutely true. Uh, I, I agree 100%. And, and in fact, I just got back from Europe the day before yesterday. And one of the things that always impresses me when I'm there is the way that they're able to maintain the balance that you talk about. In having privacy, obviously you're in your own dwelling, um, but there's a sense of community, and particularly you know, in, in countries like Italy, um, I, I love the way that they're able to live in a way that is shared yet separate. <laughs> it's shared in the ways that are good that involve you with your community, and whether it's your family or your friends, or you know, even people, your neighbors that, that you don't necessarily live with. And it's, it's just so starkly different than, than our, as you put it really well, the American dream. The American dream is this idea of having this McMansion that's completely, you can't see your neighbors. And all these other wonderful things that, you know, has some, at first, you know, has this appeal, and then you realize what you're really doing is building isolation. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just amazing to me, I, I guess you, you point out that um, it's unsatisfying, and I, and I think that I agree with you. I think people are really starting to find that that's true, but what they're not uh, finding is a lot of solutions out there for h- how do we do this differently? You know, h- exactly, how do we exactly. We've had we such a that? focus on accumulating things. Or if I have a bigger house or more stuff or nicer cars, I'll be happier. You know, and now if you look at you know development magazines or architecture magazines, it's about a fancier bathtub or that's going like to make that. me happy. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it might make you happy for a little while, but but I think it's um, going back to well, what is it's really about relationships and how do you develop? And I think what we've seen is our lifestyles have just gotten crazier and crazier. And I, I don't know a single person who doesn't feel totally stressed for time. We're more spread out from our family and friends. We all have a community because we just tend to drive to it. I mean, you can't really be human without having some sort of network of community support. But we've gotten used to the idea that you can do it over the Internet. You drive to it. You play phone tag with a friend for two weeks in order to do together at Starbucks for a coffee instead of having a spontaneous lifestyle. And I think one of the things that was really attractive to me about co-housing was the idea that it's, I can make a spontaneous social life outside my house and recreate that sort of sense of neighborhood where it's not about appointments and dates and play dates for my kids. It's about, oh, you're home. I'm home. Let's go for a walk or send your kids out the door. Go find someone to play with because there's lots of people out there. And, you know, that, that's really it is that we're, we are meant as humans. I mean, this sounds so basic. It sounds funny to even say it, but we're meant to interact with other human beings. And the lack of that, I think, fundamentally makes us unhappy. And I can't speak for everybody. I mean, I know there's going to be people out there that say, no, I really like being in my separate house and not, you know, assume, and that's fine. You know. Well, and I do too. But, and I think that's the thing is what co-housing gave me is I don't have to give up my privacy. I still have that. I can shut the door anytime I want. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those I love to go on walks alone. So I think it's not saying privacy is not also important. It's just that balance, going back to that concept of balance. Yeah, the total isolation is going to be a whole other set of problems for, right. over, over the long run. And I think that's been proven in sociological study after sociological oh, study. Oh, and now, yeah, they're just, I mean, it feels like every week I open the newspapers or the magazine, there's another study that says how closely tied isolation is to health. Clearly, over and over and over again, we're seeing that as people get more isolated, all sorts of health factors are affected. Now, I'm really fascinated by the co-housing thing. It got on my radar screen about three years ago. Uh, There's a co-housing community that was built 
in our town. In fact, it's only about it's less than a mile from from my house here, and it was built. Um, it was considered pretty progressive uh, at the time, which you know, progressive for you know United States. But I, I am in Northern California, so it's considered a pr- pretty progressive area. But it's one of the first communities of its kind in this area. You know, but it was targeted at a, at, a, at an income level that's not not lower income, but sort of you know maybe middle middle class, and in some cases maybe even lower to middle class, um, somewhere in between those two. And you know, I, my concern is that when I heard that, I was like, well, that concept applies to any class, <laughs> you know, done it at whatever. Obviously, there's going to be different price points and things, but the idea is sound at, at any price level and every and any sort of you know level of, of luxury or amenities. Um, is is co-housing getting that type of reputation nationally, or uh, you know, as being targeted towards that segment, or are we seeing it really span the range? Well, the large majority of co-housing communities that have been built in the United States are market rate communities. Interestingly, the I would say probably seventy-five percent of our buyers, and, and it is you know, you're buying a home in co-housing, are actually moving out of single-family homes. So for them, it's a it's a lifestyle choice. Um, they have a home, they're comfortable, it's not giving them what they want, they're looking for a different type of lifestyle. Right. Um, and it's really tied to housing policies, um, you know, in terms of affordability, which is a huge issue on both coast and our country. We're part of a culture and a society that's never decided that housing is a basic right. Uh, subsidies for housing costs are very, very competitive. Or health care, for that matter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're working within that economic system. Um, it doesn't solve all the ills of a larger economic system. Um, I do find that there is, we find interest in co-housing all across the board. But and a lot of interest is really is the middle class. And I think you would find, you find it as much so in lower economic groups as just, we don't have the subsidies to, it's harder to put those projects together. There are some interesting things happening in that range. Okay. Well, I was just kind of curious because I only have a, a limited direct experience with it, and I was curious what was happening on the national landscape and also in different strata of of cost of the units and, and, and such. And, you know, I feel like we've we've been talking um, for a little while here, and we probably haven't, I, I have not, I've been remiss in not having asked the most basic question, which is really what, what defines a co-housing? What, what does co-housing look like in its classic inception? Yeah. What is co-housing? What is co-housing? Well, I mean, I think the, the most sort of classic um, model of co-housing is that you've got individual homes, typically townhomes. Um, so we find most communities are attached homes, and that's the way residents want it, um, clustered around a common house. And uh, in the common house are, is your your common facilities, and typically the common house would include a, a dining room, some guest rooms, some children's playrooms, maybe a lounge. Often there might be a, a workshop, either part of the common house or detached. So you have extensive common facilities and homes clustered around them. And with often gardens are a very big part of co-housing. Okay. Um, and you can do inner city high rises. You can also some communities are very rural. I've seen there are communities that are out on 200 acres, still using the clustering. Some are single family homes, but the large majority are clustered townhomes. Even when they have room to do single family homes, we work with the resident groups. So the future home buyers are part of the design process. And I have found that people like attaching homes because they make better use of their land. So that's the second part of co-housing okay. that is um, unique to is the development, design and development process in that they're really custom neighborhoods, not custom homes, 
but custom neighborhoods in that we are working directly with the future home buyers from the very beginning of the projects to establish the criteria, the priorities, and the design for what this community wants to be. So these folks have a say in, for example, how the shared facilities are being designed and what's available and things exactly. like that. Exactly. What, what are the most important facilities for them? How do they want to use their land? How far are people willing to walk from parking to their homes? Because one of the things you'll see is very common in co-housing communities is the parking will be at the periphery of the site and people walk down to their homes. So there's instead of streets being between the homes, there are walkways. And it's not up to me to decide what people want. And that's why we involve the residents. We say, well, you decide what makes sense to you. And we'll find in any co-housing community a range of needs. Some people really do need to be close for par- to parking for accessibility reasons. Others are more than willing to walk quite a ways in order to get the cars out of the middle of the neighborhood. Right. Now, I'm curious about, can you explain some of the ways that, that co-housing communities, or at least the ones that you've been involved with, uh, address issues around sustainability? Yeah, I think one of the really unique things about co-housing is that we address sustainability on both the individual building level and on the larger neighborhood level, and socially as well as environmentally. And what I get so excited about is that what you can do as a neighborhood of 25 households is so much more greatly increased than what I can do as a single-family homeowner. Um, and so you get the dynamics of this larger group. It's interesting because, you know, green building and sustainability is not really part of the definition of co-housing, but we have just found it to be a core value in every single group we've ever worked with. And you get a dynamic where you're talking about priorities with the group and how do you want to spend your money. And the, the synergy of people coming together and really talking about them gives them a sense of powerfulness. And you'll find that they actually move farther as a group than they do would as individually because they start to see the power of how they work together. Yeah. No, that makes a lot, so, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so we do all sorts of things. I think co-housing communities have really been on the cutting edge of working green building techniques into production housing because these are middle-class houses. They're not large green McMansions. Um, they, we tend to be using the, the same basic building structures as most housing in America built. It wouldn't that we're using stud construction. But we use advanced framing, so we minimize the amount of lumber uh, we use very high-grade windows, you know, and all this is discussed with the group. Where do you want to put your money? And what we find is that people are, our clients, people interested in co-housing, are willing to live in smaller homes in order to build a higher quality, more energy-efficient, environmentally-friendly building. Well, and, you know, the, going back to the shared facilities, it makes so much sense because, you know, you can focus on, on the, the bedroom areas and these other areas, and then there's areas that, I mean, how often do you visit your laundry room? You know, how often do you really need your own gym? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's well, kind of ridiculous, the, you know? Exactly. And those are the things you can do as a community. So most co-housing communities will have uh, laundry facilities in the common house. Some people may choose to have their own private laundry as well, but a lot of us, I love it. I can just go over to the common house and get it out of my house. Uh, we can have a high, more energy-efficient, higher-quality machine by pooling our resources. There's one lawnmower for the whole community. Mm-hmm. I need an extra large cooler for a camping trip this weekend. I don't have to go to Kmart and buy it. I just send out an email to my neighborhood and say, anybody got something I can borrow? And within three hours, I'll have more than I ever needed. 
And then you find all sorts of other things like the ability to carpool. Um, we do, in my community, I live in the Nevada City co-housing community in the Sierras. Um, there's a co-op buying group. And so every other Tuesday night, people pool their grocery orders and buy bulk organic foods at very good prices. Um, we had a, this was the little stuff I just love. Um, one of my neighbors knew a woman who has organic chickens. And so every week on Friday, I would come home, walk through the common house, and pick up my dozen organic eggs just waiting there for me. And I, all I had to do was write my check every month, and they were delivered right to the common house. That's just yeah, nice, isn't it, the, the fresh organic eggs every month? Oh, they're yeah. wonderful. And just to be able to have the, you know, that's the kind of thing where we can support the local economy, can buy better foods. You know, it just sort of fits into so many different things. And it's easy because, you know, in theory, I could organize that on my own, but I'm never going to get to it. Yeah. Well, it's it's nice to be able to share it, too. It, it's funny because, we, we you know, I, I don't live in a co-housing facility. Um, you know, I live in a standard single-family home. And what we've done to ameliorate the feelings of isolation and that we would have otherwise if we just had all this stuff that we weren't sharing is we've built communities and brought those communities of people to our home. So, for example, you know, I run a martial arts studio that's above my garage and you know but there's like 30 or 40 people that go in and out of there in a given week so i brought the community to me but you know that's obviously not a model that's going to work for a lot of people and it's, it's something that you know is a fulfilling a long dream of my own but but you know in terms of you know rubber stamping this across the country that's the kind of thing that would be perfect for a shared you know space a um, exactly. you know a shared chicken coop uh, a shared garden you know because it's very difficult to maintain those things individually for every single home that's on the street i mean that's a, and plus you don't get the community aspects of rubbing elbows with other people Exactly. No, exactly. And then I think the other thing that's really nice is not only the shared stuff, but the shared um, knowledge. So, for instance, in, in my community, we do we were able to put photovoltaics uh, for every home. They're not on every home. They're on the garages because they have the best solar access there. So, again, a way of using the site, looking at it as a whole, as opposed to just what my house sits on. But the reason we have the photovoltaics is because there were a couple people in the community who were really committed to that and were willing to do the work. So I know in, in my life, I have this long list of things I should do, I want to do, I'd like to do. I just don't get to it because I don't have the time. There's so many, so many hours in the day. But within a co-housing community, you know, you need a couple of solar nerds who will push that and everybody else gets to benefit and support it and feel really excited about yeah, it. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. It's a great point. And I, I can see that extending to many other things. That the person who's got the green thumb, I, I don't have the green thumb. And, you know, we, we go out and I feed our chickens every morning. But if anything really went wrong with the chickens, I don't know that I'm, I'm certainly not a, a doctor of a veterinary medicine. So, you know, I'm not going to have all that experience. And so, you know, other people in the community can then step in. So that's, um, you point out, a, a good benefit. Yeah, no, it's a, it's great. We have a, across my walkway is a chiropractor who also specializes in natural medicines. So my daughter, she, I've got, I have a 16-year-old, and she's decided that Kyle's the best doctor out there. So anytime she's feeling like she's got a cold or something, she just goes across the walkway and quizzes Kyle on what she had to do for it. It's really a mini version of what, you know, I think ideal community design in terms of a community like a village or a, you know a small t- a town would would ideally have been a long time ago and still still is in many places in Europe and and other continents um, but but we don't have here because of the way we build our cities mm-hmm. and the design of our cities so so this is sort of bringing it down to to the dwelling level but but uh, providing the community feeling within that dwelling 
Well, exactly, and I think it's it's not a new concept. I mean, what we did was sort of take from Europe an idea about how you recreate the kinds of neighborhoods that used to exist naturally in our given our lifestyle today, which is we don't live in the same neighborhood for multiple generations. Our grandmothers don't live around the corner, so we have to be much more deliberate about creating a neighborhood where you really know everybody. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's a, unfortunately, it's a novel concept in this country, but you know, it, feel, it feels like things are starting to change, and this is a, an interesting um, a component in, in that change at the, at the housing level that we're starting to see. So, you know, if anybody wants to get out there who's listening in today wants to get more information on co-housing, how would they? How would you suggest they do that? Well, the best, they can plug right into our website, which is www.cohousingpartners.com. That will link to you to all sorts of resources. It'll show you sort of some of the communities we're working with right now. Um, there is our book available. There's actually, my husband wrote a second book on senior co-housing, which was the second sort of phase that came out of Europe, and we're seeing tremendous interest in that. Same principles but more focus on the post-child era of our lives and how does one age gracefully and use the resources of that time. Um, so all the, you know, that will connect you into the larger network. Okay, well, great. Well, we thank you so much for being on the program with us today. It was a pleasure having you on and getting the information and hearing about this uh, intriguing concept. Thanks for having me. Catherine McCammett has been my guest today. She's the president of Co-Housing Partners, LLC. She's also a principal architect at McCammett and Durrett. Thanks again, Catherine. Thanks as always to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.